you know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. Mm. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Forever35. Hey. 
Hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are not experts. Nope, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And just a few reminders before we get going... You can always visit our website, forever35podcast.com, for links to everything we mention on the show. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Twitter is at forever35pod, and Instagram is at forever35podcast. And you can join the Forever 35 Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash forever35podcast. The password there is serums. We also have a voicemail number at 781-591-0390. And our email is forever35podcast at gmail.com. Mm. 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 Uh, you know, before we, before we get into our own BS, should we just take a, a moment to honor Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Let's do that. I mean, I don't know if it's a moment of silence or this is an unplanned honoring. But I think we both want to acknowledge her passing. Yes. That's all. Thank you. <laughs> well, no, we, you know, we had just recorded an episode and then she passed away and you and I kind of texted back and forth on if we should like record an emergency podcast intro. And, uh, you know, I think, I think the impact that both her life and her passing has on both of us is significant. And I think it is for a lot of our listeners too. Oh, for sure. And you know? we just wanted you all to know that we're thinking about that and her passing has weighed heavily on both of us and we're mourning her and mourning her legacy and ready to fight for what's next. That's right, Dory. We are going to fucking get back in there. <laughs> Getting back in that ring. Yeah. I cried on Friday afternoon and then I was like... Saturday, I was like, let's fucking go. Yeah. Sorry, I don't yeah. mean to curse so much. <sighs> anyway, she was uh, heroic. Like, yes. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <sighs> well, on, on less, less meaningful, meaningful conversation topics, I am grappling with self-care whilst injured. Yeah. Tell me what happened. I think I mentioned this briefly because we recorded our last episode right after it had happened, but I fell. I rolled my ankle. I, it turns out it's sprained. It's very swollen and bruised. And I think I've also bruised my tailbone, but I'm going back to the doctor to get a kind of get a follow-up and hopefully get a referral for a a tailbone specialist. Because aye, aye. Yeah, yeah. It turns out turns out what's going on is probably like there's something going on. So uh, I got to get my bones looked at. Um, I think it's probably just bruised, but I'm having a lot of bizarro symptoms that I've never had before after falling on my butt. And so, mm. you know, it's a little weird. Like, uh, it's always it's always unsettling when your body is doing something that it's never done before, you know? Totally. And you don't know if it's just like a casual symptom that will pass with time or if it's like a f your body is trying to flag, like they're sending you an urgent email, you know, yes. those emails yes. and then following up on text to make sure you got it. Like, I don't, uh, I don't know if that's what my body is doing. So I don't know, but you know, and I, I get a little like, I guess the doctor to me is the self-care, like making sure I'm on top of it. 
but also not letting my like hypochondria um, take over. Is it hypochondria or is it just like health anxiety? It's health anxiety. I don't know if those things are the same or not, but um, my anxiety likes to latch on to things and it will latch on to health mm. big time, big time. So I got to kind of just, you know, manage, manage that. But it's also hard. Like my movement is a lot of my self-care and right now my ankle is sprained and I doesn't hurt to walk on it, but it's very swollen for me. Yeah. So I'm doing a lot of icing. I guess icing is my self-care, but I'm not enjoying it. Yeah, that's hard. And it, it's hard to kind of shift your thinking from, okay, well, movement was really my self-care, something that I love to like, okay, my body's telling me I need to like dial it back, like way back. Yeah. Like your body I is is telling you this, as you kind of said. And so... Yeah, you do need to honor that, but it's really hard. But I don't want to honor it. I know. It's annoying. I know. I know. <laughs> it's really annoying and really but, hard. I mean, look, as we always say, as it is a privilege to get old, it's a privilege to be able to take care of my body. I think like you, I do enjoy working out. I do enjoy exercising. And it is really frustrating when, for whatever reason, we can't do that. Yes, and I'm very grateful. I'm, I've been working um, with a trainer in classes, but they give you individualized like coaching, and she is helping me figure out like how, what I can like how I can like do lifting mm-hmm. without you know fucking with my ankle because I I I do really enjoy, I've really gotten really into doing weight training. It's been really fun and really gratifying, and you know we now have a bunch of weights at home, so. Yeah. I'm hoping I can figure out ways to like chill on the foot, but also keep my physical body engaged and stimulated so that I can sleep at night. Oh my gosh, Dory. What? What? I'm I'm reading your notes and you made Pamela Salzman's challah bread. Yes. I love Pamela Salzman. I know. Oh my gosh. Okay. Tell us everything. Okay, so we've moved on from flu shots. Yeah, I, look, turning a corner. <laughs> okay. Um, so as I believe I mentioned on Friday's episode, which was the first night of Rosh Hashanah, I said I was going to try to make a challah. And I was very disdainful, although from a place of like insecurity about Instagram challah moms, as I called them. And turns out, I could make a challah and it looked pretty great on Instagram. So, so you are. I'm going to I'm going to eat my challah words. Oh my god. <laughs> if you will. And there were it, it was I wouldn't say it was like totally smooth sailing. Um I had to throw out the first batch of dough because I hadn't like I'd read the instructions but I hadn't fully like processed the instructions. And I did a bunch of things wrong. And I know with baking, like you really need to follow everything very carefully. So I was like, I could already tell that the dough wasn't kind of what it was. It wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing. And I was just like, I'm going to start over. It's like when you're watching Great British Bake Off. Oh, you know, you don't watch Great British Bake Off. No, but I am like in I, I am aware of it. I do understand that it's British people baking and it's very I've watched some of it. Well, it's just like sometimes like. You overbake your sponge and you're just like, 
I don't really have time to do this, but I have to start my sponge from scratch again because the sponge is the foundation of my cake. Mm, okay. You know what I'm saying? I do. I follow. Yep. So that was kind of going through my head. So I, th- I, I threw out that dough, which was sad. I probably could have salvaged it in some way, but like I'm not an advanced enough baker to know that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would. So started over. Okay. But, you know, I've never baked, I've never really baked bread before. I mean, maybe in like home economics class in seventh grade. Do people still, just, does home economics still exist? Like as a I thing? I don't know. I, I never took it. And that was not an option for me. Oh. Uh, well, in ye old public school, you had to take <laughs> home economics. And I mean, it was like, here, bake some bread and sew a pillow and like all these other random, like random things. I'll find out when my kids go to middle school. I feel like it kind of happens in middle school, right? Yes. It's, this was the bread baking occurred in seventh grade. So like it sounds awesome. Middle, middle school. I would love to bake bread at school. Totally. I mean, like, yes. Um, and also way to introduce people to a skill that could be their job someday that isn't just like doing math, even though it is kind of doing math. It is kind of doing math. Exactly. Um, I think I learned, I feel like I, I took to woodworking more, <laughs> but I did, I did enjoy home ec. I'm not going to lie. Anyway, point being, I have not really baked bread very much in my life, if at all. So it was very exciting to like prove, you know, prove the bread, prove the dough. Mm, yes. And see it rise. Yeah. It's cool. Isn't like, it? Oh my gosh, it rose. It worked. I know. <laughs> <laughs> And then with challah, you do a second proof. So you do a second rise. And so I did that. But also you have to, for the second rise, you have to, sh- you have to braid the bread. You have to shape Ooh. the bread. I was very nervous about this. Very nervous. And I had to, there's like one piece of dough that I tried to like reshape and it wouldn't reshape. And then someone on Instagram told me that if you wait 10 minutes, then you can usually reshape it. And I was like, oh, I wish I had known that, but whatever, it didn't matter. And I was like, oh my gosh, my strands are different sizes. This is going to look terrible. Did and then matter? I had to watch, and then it ended up not mattering. I did watch a YouTube video, which I will link to in the show notes of how to braid it. Because as I discussed on Friday's episode, the, Rosh Hashanah Kala is round. So I was like, this seems especially complex to do a round Kala. How am I going to figure out how to do it? But YouTube came to my rescue, of course. And it was very cool. It was very cool to like braid it and shape it and be like, oh my gosh, it looks like a Kala. Right. You made a Kala. I made a Kala. I will say, I love some Pamela. I love me some Pamela Salzman, but I think. She, I think the, I think her oven, her oven instructions were too hot. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If, okay. When I make okay. it again, I'm going to try turning the oven down just a tad. I think my, I think my challah was just a tad overbaked. Like I think if Paul Hollywood was looking at it in the technical, he would be like, mm. like he would point to the, the line above the crust and be like, it's over, it's overbaked. Paul Hollywood? That's a chef person? It's one of the judges on, on the British Bake Off show. Great British Bake Off, Kate. 
Listen, I really, I actually, do you watch much reality competition? You don't. I mean, I, I do partake in a Bachelor franchise or two. Yeah, but like, you don't really watch like cooking competition shows, do you? No, I, I have with my thing. kids. I mean, I don't watch much TV at all anymore. Like, not because I'm too cool for TV. I just am like too lazy. So, yeah, I don't. Uh, I have Great not. British Bake Off is is truly calming. I've watched some of it. I have watched, and it's great. Again, I've watched some of it on my own, and then I watched some with my kids, and it's like very good family programming. Yeah, it's completely benign. Yes. So anyway, I would have put myself in like the middle of the pack in the technical. So isn't it interesting? You're getting bitten by the bread bug. Six yes, months not in the, the core. Right. Not the sourdough bug. No, no. Um, yeah. Even Matt was impressed. <laughs> that takes a lot. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like it takes a lot because I feel like Matt in like our marriage, he sees himself as the chef. Mm, he does. Ha- he does do a lot of like meat cooking. Yeah, he does a lot of meat cooking. He, he like knows how to season things. Mm-hmm. And he was sort of like, oh, you made a challah. Oh, and it tastes like a challah. And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> and then I was like, I could do this every week. Are you going to? I think so. Why not? I have nothing else to do. You're going mean, like, to every Friday make I a have a lot. I have a lot of other things to do. But like, I don't. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, all the things yes. I have to do are in my house. <laughs> yes, I do know. I do know what you mean. I do. So, and challah, like... The active time is not that much. Like you, you mix the dough, you knead the dough, but then you're proving for quite some time. And then once it's proved, you just stick it in, you, you do an egg wash over it and you stick it in the oven. So it's not like you don't have to be what, like on it the whole time. So you right. can be doing other things. And you can start making it with Henry while he's at totally. home. Give him a little holiday. He make. loved it. Oh my god, he was like more carbs. <laughs> Good. Good work, Henry. Uh, That's it. Yeah. So I don't know. So maybe I will. I will do this every week. It seems like a nice, like it's like something I am looking forward to, like getting to bake a challah. Well, Dory, congratulations on finding finding this passion. Thank you, Kate. And it's rooted in your faith. I mean, I what's mean, more beautiful than that? It's just, it's just beautiful. It's just gorgeous. It it is. I think it is. I don't know. I'm don't. sorry. You're seeing my like <laughs> cynical. <laughs> crusty old self being like it's fine look you're trying to give me this like nice moment and i'm like nah (laughs) listen you can't be from boston and not be crusty in some way it's just part of who our dna okay thank you yeah i I would actually be weirded out if you were like "Mm, it is beautiful (laughs) like ugh, (laughs) who is this (laughs) okay thank you yeah no i don't want you to do that uh, yeah so that's that's where i'm at and i just want to say one other unrelated thing which is that i started watching love fraud on showtime and i don't know did you listen or watch listen to or watch dirty john of course 
I okay. listened to the whole thing. I did not. Is it? Is this the documentary or? This is document. It's not about Dirty John. It's about oh, a different okay. a different okay. guy, but a similar guy. Um, and it's it's a documentary. It's very good and very like a lot. <laughs> is it our our new Tiger King? I mean, I you know what's so funny is I had told um like I was texting with a couple friends and I told them I was watching it cuz one of them is very into like this type of story so I knew she would be into it. And then the other one was like, "Oh, the have you married this man billboard because those billboards were all over Los Angeles." Yeah. And then when Matt came home or no when Matt came out from um recording a podcast, he was like, "What are you watching?" and I was like, "Love fraud." And he was like, "Oh, have you married this man? And I was like, that was an effective ad campaign. Like people were able to quote it and like remembered those billboards. Damn. Okay. Love fraud. All right. It's a four part series, five part, I think four part series on Showtime. So, uh, maybe I'll get into it. I feel like, I, I think you would enjoy it. I mean, I have a month before the bachelorette starts or a few weeks. So. Well, there you go. And I might tune into The Bachelorette this season. I mean, again, what else are we doing? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good point. I mean, truly, <laughs> I'm doing a lot of like wandering my home. Right. Like we are, as a, again, we are doing things. You're very active in various activities. <laughs> You're active I, in activities, Kate. I am like a school <laughs> volunteer this year. I, I know. I'm so into it. You're so into it. So actually, you are busy. I should just speak for myself. Well, no, we are, but we're both busy, but it's a weird busy. It's it busy in the confines busy. of your own space. It's yes. so odd. It's a very weird busy. So. Well. Anyway, shall we take a break? <sighs> yes, because the nice thing is we get to come back and talk to Miralee Patel and she's just a, a soothing soul. She really is. She's also like an inspiration. Yes. And she's, she's really created such meaningful, beautiful work. So I'm really excited to share our conversation with her. So yeah, me too. we will BRB in a moment. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. 
The superpower short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite honey love piece. Let me, let me just tell you why. Yeah. Get into it. Do you want to tell me why? No, no. I was just (laughs) going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes. That's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh God, like get this off of me. No, thank <laughs> once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also like summer sweat under those underwires. It's like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. 
We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year, I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 Lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes, Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. Our guest today is Mira Lee Patel, who is a self-taught artist and writer who believes that anything is possible. She is the author of My Friend Fear, Finding Magic in the Unknown, which is a beautiful meditation on fear, and how it can help us become who we really are if we let it. She is also the author of two journals, Made Out of Stars, which is a journal for self-realization that encourages the belief that we are already whole, and Start Where You Are, a journal for self-exploration that is designed to help others understand that the answers they are seeking are contained within themselves. And she is currently a columnist at Spirituality and Health, where she writes and draws about mental health. And her books are just gorgeous. And we are so excited to have her here today. So thank you for joining us, Mira. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So we like to start chatting with our guests about one self-care practice that they have in their own lives. It can be very small, it can be huge, but something that you do to kind of nourish yourself on a regular basis. Um, Probably one of the most beneficial things I do is meditate. And I do that in two different ways, which is uh, one is an active meditation usually that I can, that I do with my painting or way more straightforward and what I usually have more time for, which is journaling or writing in my diary. Um, It's kind of a way to get all of the thoughts that tend to turn anxious and tend to turn cyclical out of my head and onto paper. And I do find the physical act of writing 
to, you know, visually it's, it's honestly like reaching inside my own head and physically taking out the thoughts and putting them somewhere else, which really leaves me as a person with a lot more room to breathe and think and function. The other meditation is, um, you know, a sitting breathing practice, uh, which is just meant to help me kind of recenter and rebalance and calm my body, calm my mind. And this is one that I usually do before bed. I would like it to be the first thing I do when I wake up. Um, But this year with everything going on, I have been a little bit jolted out of my regular practice. um, And I'm still finding my way back to setting up that early morning, um, bringing myself to begin the day in the right way. I'm still working my way back towards that. You you mentioned the feeling of this year kind of jolting jolting you, and I think every person listening can relate. I know I can. I know Dory can. Um, how have you kind of been <clears throat> gentle with yourself and just accepting that things are not going to look like they used to? All our self-care practices or all your self-care practices may take a minute to kind of recalibrate. How How have you kind of dealt with that? It, I mean, I think this is a great question and so valuable because it took me many months. We have been, uh, my husband and I have been quarantined since February and we are very diligent in being careful and cautious with everything going on. And it's, I probably until April was very hard on myself and very disappointed in myself for the way my productivity went down, the, the, the feelings I was having, my inability to remain optimistic or positive or to, you know, to just go through my days with the same amount of energy and vigor that I always had. And in April, I was talking to a friend and she, she told me, you know, the way that you're talking about yourself, the way you're expressing how disappointed you are in yourself, like thought you would never talk to me that way. And I don't think you're treating yourself the way you would treat a friend. And it kind of, um, again, jolted me back into why am I doing that? And why do so many of us, I think most of us, why do we treat ourselves differently than the way we treat other people? Why are we so much more critical? Why are we so much more unforgiving? And so since then, I've been a lot better about letting myself be, um, not setting up unrealistic expectations of myself, understanding that one day could be really good and the toughest thing I could do for myself is to set the expectation that the next day is going to be equal or better. The next day is going to be what it's going to be. And that could be good or bad, but my job is to see it as neither and just to see it as another day. And so that's kind of how I've been trying to recalibrate. That's such a healthy perspective. Um, (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to remember that. <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, um, I'd love to talk about where you are 
quarantined because as you put it in the bio in your new journal, you live with your husband, dog, innumerable black vultures, wild turkeys, coyotes, (laughs) and prancing deer on a farm in the northern woods of Nashville, Tennessee. So I'd love to know about what it was like going from what you've described as a cramped New York apartment to this life and just kind of how it's changed your notions of yourself and like what you need from the world. Sure. Um, My journey in getting here was um, pretty awesome, I would say. Um, It was February 2017. I was still living in Brooklyn. I had two roommates. I lived in a basement apartment. Um, and I had been in New York for all of my adult life and I was about to begin writing my friend fear, which is, um, which is a book of essays about dealing with fear. And so I'm getting ready to write the book and I have this horrifying realization, which is that I've never dealt with any of my fears and how am I going to write a book about it? And so I Mm. decided that. It, it all had to happen. And so I did all of the things that I was afraid of all at once, which was I quit my job that I had had for all of my 20s. And that was um, a symbol of safety and stability for me, even though my desire was to be an artist and a writer. Um, so I quit that. What was your job at the time? I was a technical, um, I was an editor at a technical publishing company. So I edited papers written by electrical engineers. And I had been doing that. (laughs) I had been doing that straight out of college um, at 22. And here I was at 29. And I had never known anything else. Um, Mm -hmm. And I wanted to leave for a very long time. But, you know, I was really, really scared to. So I... I quit that and I sublet my apartment and I decided I was going to do something that I was really afraid of, which is travel alone um, for a year and go to all these places where I didn't know anybody and had never been before and just be by myself, which is, you know, sometimes for us, the scariest thing we can do is spending copious amounts of time alone, which, you know, Everyone is mm-hmm. getting a big lesson in right now. <clears throat> um, so I did. Yes. <laughs> I did that. And in month um, three, I landed in Nashville. And I had come to Nashville because online I saw that there were a group of women who owned a illustration studio and they all worked together. And I really wanted mm-hmm. community. Um, and I thought, you know, I'm going to reach out and see if they'll let me work with them. And if they say yes, then at least I know where I'm going to be for the month of May. And they said yes. And so I, you know, I decided that's where I'd be. And I went. And day one, I kind of fell in love with everybody. They were so welcoming, so talented, so motivated. And I just felt right at home. And on day three or four, I met the man who would then become my husband. And I, we dated for that month and I, I kept going, I kept traveling. And in October of that year, I moved to Nashville. Um, and six months later, we bought our home 
uh, where we live now and where we are farming and <laughs> um, allowing a lot of guest animals to come be with us. Wow. That is a huge change. Yeah, it was a big year. Were there, t- were there, were there times when <clears throat> you doubted your decision? That is a great question. Also, um, I never doubted my relationships, that my friendships or the one I had with my husband. Um, but I did, I did feel living here is very different from living in New York or living on the East Coast, which is what I have always known um, to be my home. And there's differences not only in terms of Um, energy and pace, but also in terms of demographic and the types of people I see Mm -hmm. and the types of people I'm around. And as a minority woman, it has been an adjustment for me. Um, And I think I'm still adjusting. But the thing that keeps me here and that would also send, you know, make it completely plausible for me to leave is that I want my life to be made up of a lot of different experiences. And so whether it is more difficult to live here in some ways, it is a lot easier in other ways. And remembering that and remembering that everything in life is a balance um, always helps me be happy wherever I am. So that's kind of the perspective I try to take. And of course there are days where I'm like, man, I really miss New York. I really miss, you know, friends that I've known for 30 years and who like really get me. And I miss people that look like me seeing them every day. Um, but I really believe that everything is temporary. And so I try to enjoy this part of my life right now, which is not, it looks like nothing that I would have ever dreamed of. And I think that very fact is really awesome. That's so cool. Mira, let's talk about your new journal, which is called Create Your Own Calm, um, a journal for quieting anxiety. I loved so, first of all, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. And I loved so many of the prompts in the journal. Um, but one spoke to me so much, which was, you had a prompt about drawing where you feel most peaceful and it was, you have to draw it inside the outline of a home. Um, And even just reading that prompt and seeing the outline of a home kind of made me feel at peace. Um, And I'm, I'm just wondering where do you feel most peaceful and what do you hope people get out of this prompt? Um, With that prompt, I am trying um, to emphasize uh, the understanding that home can exist within yourself and that if you feel mm. good about yourself and who you are, it is possible to feel calm and peaceful anywhere. Um, so I really, I really like that symbol of home and that it being a place you always carry with you. And that is ultimately what I'm hoping others can, will Um, realize and begin to believe because I think it is a very empowering, I think it's a very empowering belief to know that home is a place Mm -hmm. that you can carry with you. 
And that no matter what is changing in outside of yourself, you know, in the world, um, that is to say, everything is always changing and change is often our biggest cause of anxiety. Regardless of that, if you have a strong and stable home within yourself, you can always feel at peace. And so that, that belief is what I'm trying to encourage in that prompt. Mm, I love that. Can I share my favorite prompt? <laughs> <laughs> I loved, I loved the, the naming of anxiety, which is in the beginning of the book and talking about what your anxiety feels like. Because it, I, as a person who has struggled with anxiety for their entire lives, it was a really different way of thinking about it, which I thought was really interesting. Um, so I would, I would love to know a little bit more about your own experience with anxiety. Um, and if this is something that you've done, your, if this was a practice that you had already done that you found helpful. Sure. Um, so I have, I struggle with anxiety um, daily. It's not something that I believe will ever go away. Um, what I, what I believe is that I can only control how I approach it and how I learn to manage it. Um, and so for me, identifying my fears and identifying the roots under my anxieties have been a huge help in learning how to manage them. So along with identifying the roots, which could be like, I feel really anxious right now because I'm afraid of being rejected. Or I feel really anxious right now because I'm afraid of failing at this particular task. Um, along with identifying those roots and those fears, I also have found it very helpful to, to be able to notice and recognize what my anxiety feels like. And for me, that's a lot of cyclical thoughts. They start and they do not stop. They intensify to the point where I'm unable to focus on anything else. It's all I can or want to talk about or think about. And <clears throat> probably the worst part is that I start to convince myself that my fear, whatever the fear is, the fear of failure or rejection, for example, those are absolutely without a doubt going to come true. And so that exercise in identification becomes useful for me because I can recognize when it's beginning to start and I can step in before it gets to that point where I've convinced myself that the worst is going to happen. And so with that, with the exercise you read out loud, I'm really encouraging people to take note. Do your palms get sweaty? Is your heart racing? Does your mind either go cloudy or completely blank? Or is it very noisy with tons of voices? What is happening to your body and your mind in these periods of anxiety and let's work on identifying them so we can recognize them and therefore we can kind of learn how to curb them when we feel them coming on. That was one of the first things uh, it's, it's right at the beginning of the book and it was like, Oh, this is nice. Like what an interesting, interesting way to think about all the things that make me <laughs> that rattle me every day. It was just, um, it was a really cool practice. I, I I feel like the 
your book is this like perfect balance of like, it's very beautiful and pleasing to look at, but also has these really thoughtful, concrete practices that when executed are, are really impactful. Are these things that you kind of do in, in your own regular day to day as well? Yes, they are. They're all um, rooted in my philosophy and how I try my best to operate. Again, not always successfully, but how I would I would like to operate. Um, and I also really try to make create your own calm inclusive. And what I mean by that is that anxiety looks and feels different for everybody. Its causes are different for everybody. You know, the way it feels, the way it affects us, the solutions that are going to help us manage it, they're all different. And so a lot of the exercises draw from my practices with daily meditation, regular exercise, um, how nature can be, you know, a very organic soother. And they also focus on identifying identifying um, places of disconnect in your life, such as, Mm. um, you know, not having meaningful connection to your work or to yourself or to your community. I find that these disconnects can really be pockets of anxiety. And so I tried my best to collect exercises that are governed by all of these different principles knowing that different people will need different different um, directions to help them. And also that knowing that what we need changes. So, you know, I'm at, a, I'm at a period in my life where writing and daily meditation really helps me, but something, a disconnect might appear in my life and I will need to form a practice around kind of fixing that. And so I really, I wanted to make sure it wasn't a one solution fits all because one solution does not fit all. Can I ask what your typical work day looks like? I'm always curious how creative people kind of organize their time. Um, So I am very structured and very type A, which is the opposite of a lot of creatives. And I think that came from um, a lot of the discipline that I learned in my day job for so long. Um, And also, Mm. you know, partly my personality. So I wake up, um, I wake up early, I eat, and that is when I am the most creative. So that is when I, I am painting or writing or doing the part of my job that is creative and that's probably until lunch and then I have lunch and then it's all business. So it's a lot of bookkeeping, invoicing, social media, marketing things, emails, which I feel my whole life is one big email. So lots of emails. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I try to, which this is new. I've never Never had to do this before, but I try to actually stop working around five or six so I can be a human being and hang out with my husband and 
not work. And that's really hard for me because I love working and I love my job and I feel very lucky. And he has been a very big um, proponent of you have absolutely no work-life balance and, you know, maybe we can work on that. So I've been the last (laughs) couple of years been trying to do that and it is, it's hard. It's hard for me, but I'm trying. Were you that way when you held your previous job in your 20s? Or do you think <clears throat> part of it is because your your career and your job feeds such a passion for you? No, it's absolutely a habit from when I had my day job. Because when I had my day job, I worked eight hours at that. And then I worked eight or 10 at freelance to get to a place where I could quit the day job. So I worked, you know, both jobs for about eight years. And so I think I'm, I've just become that way. And to be completely honest, um, there is a lot of underlying anxiety behind it, which is also something I've been working Mm -hmm. on. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, self-worth and value that I've been working on untangling. And I have learned that I, it's hard for me to value myself if I'm not being productive or if I'm not accomplishing something. And those realizations have been um, kind of shocking um, to, to understand that those are true. And that I don't want to feel that way about myself. So I've been, you know, consciously working on trying to change my subconscious. Um, And it's a long process, but it's, you know, you have to try. So I'm trying. You have a a beautiful um, post that you shared on Instagram how it says how to stop feeling guilty for not being productive, a color palette. Is that related to your own kind of process right now? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard. And for so many of us, it's very, yeah, I, it's something I, as you're, as you're talking, it's, I can recognize that it's something I've struggled with. Um, and certainly untangling like career from my identity and how I identify and get my worth has been it's been an ongoing struggle for years for sure i saw someone recently post that there's an exercise where where you have to describe yourself without saying what you do for a living oh my goodness and (laughs) that's really hard yeah i don't i don't even i think it does speak to this you know yeah, exactly. Like, who are we um, if we are not our jobs? Oof. That's a scary question. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's a good one. It's a great one. Dory, we should, we should do that sometime. We should. Yeah, I feel like yeah. that's, it's interesting to consider the things we want to name about ourselves that have nothing to do yes. with our, our work. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sorry, Kate, I feel like I cut you off. No, now I'm just, I'm kind of like thrown thinking about that. <laughs> thinking about this. Sorry about that. (laughs) No, this is great. This is why your books are so good, Mira. They're so good. They really help you ponder this stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, they really do. Um, I also loved your big dreams exercise 
because it is really hard to name your big dreams and acknowledge them. And there is something so powerful about putting them to paper. Yeah, I think there, I think it's hard for many of us to have big dreams. I think we are burdened by what we think is practical or possible. And that really limits our imaginations. Mm. And so it can be, you know, that it's similar to how do you describe yourself if we're not talking about our jobs or careers? I find that question to be one that stumps us where, you know, it's like, well, I've, I've never thought about that because I've thought about how to take care of my family or how to make sure I can cover my health care or whatever. There, there's such a limit um, that we place on ourselves. And so I really like to ask people, I really like to ask myself, you know, if I stop being afraid, if I don't feel so anxious, like what other possibilities are within me and what can I even dare to imagine? Hmm. That's really profound. It still feels so scary. I'm 41. (laughs) Like, I wonder if it ever, if it ever feels easier. Um, But there's something nice I I find in knowing, like, you are a person who makes this work, but you also experience these same feelings. I I don't think you're, it's not like you're saying, like, I've got this figured out, everybody. No, you're you're a participant as well as the, the person guiding us. I try to emphasize that very much because, you know, after I wrote My Friend Fear, people are like, cool, so you're done being scared, right? And it's that opposite. You know, I feel scared every day, but what I've learned is how to not let that keep me from living a life, how to not let that keep Mm -hmm. me from being who I am. And so it's the same thing in Create Your Own Calm where I'm an anxious person and I feel okay with that and I'm learning how to manage it and I'm learning how to not let it debilitate me. And that is what is within my control. And so that's what I'm working on and I'm working on it right, you know, right with you guys. Um, can we just touch on um, your work for spiritual spirituality and health magazine? You had written recently about friendship and you laid out some guidelines for people, which I think really resonated with both Dory and I. Um, one was nourish and nurture your existing friendships, plant seeds for the relationships you want to have, call the unhealthy ones. Um, how have you or what are some ways you might suggest to people on how they can kind of cultivate and grow friendships while we're also living through a pandemic? Oh, that's a great question. Um... I know that it is very difficult right now while it's so hard to, you know, see people in person and so much of a beautiful friendship is seeing someone's face and looking at them in the eyes and being able to share yourself and feel seen and help the other person feel seen. So I know that those boundaries right now are difficult to manage, but I would say that there's a lot of room for thoughtfulness right now. There's a lot of room for surprise. And I think one of the kindest things you could do is be conscious of the times throughout your day when you find yourself thinking about a friend 
and act on it. Because so many of our thoughts, we have, you know, we have a billion thoughts every second and we don't act on any of them. And this is also one of them. So if you think of a friend and, you know, I'll be walking in the yard and I'll think I'll see a bluebird or something like that. And I'll think, oh my goodness, like this person would love that. And I try to take a picture or I draw it later and I send it to them and I say, hey, I saw this. It really made me think of you. I miss you or how are you or anything. So those are rooms for thoughtfulness that I think go a long way with existing um, friendships. And they don't have to be ones that you are talking to regularly. It could be somebody that you kind of fell out of touch with but thought of. I mean, that's a great way to reach out and reconnect. And I think the pandemic might also be helping people who have been experiencing toxic friendships. Um, Hopefully, it has given you some breathing space away from them and some room to identify them and realize either, you know, I don't miss this person at all. And now with some space, I realize that they haven't been a positive asset in my life or they were bringing a lot of negative energy and I feel so much freer now with, with that space from them. And that is helping you identify who you would like to pull closer and make more of an effort with and who you're willing to let go of. And I think that is one of the healthiest things you can do for yourself. I know I wrote about this article um, because I know that telling people to get rid of people in their lives um, is not such a attractive thing to say out loud or to advocate for. But I truly believe that, you know, you have limited time and energy, not only in your day and with your hours, but in your heart and with your spirit and with your body. And you should share those things that are so precious of yourself with people who, you know, not only care and appreciate them, but who also have the capacity and the desire to share themselves with you in a positive way. Um, And so I'm always advocating for neutral, neutral and mutual friendships, ones that make you feel Mm. good and understood and that aren't so charged, you know, not, not ones where you're afraid to tell them something all the time or that you're afraid of being judged or anything like those feelings shouldn't exist so often in a friendship. And so I do, I do encourage people to, you know, leave people behind. Oh, that's a really powerful, I think that's a powerful note to end on. Oh, that's great. Mira, this has been so great to get to talk to you. Yeah, it's such I've a really, been, really enjoyed hearing. I, I've had a great time. Thank you for having me. Um, Mira, where can our listeners find you online, find more information about you and your books? Um, you can find out more about me and my work and my books online at miralee.com. And I share regularly about my process and thoughts and everything I'm making on Instagram at Mira Lee Patel. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. 
Thank you for having me. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I visible know. on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, One Skin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like creppiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel. I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm-hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm-hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Dory? Yes. We are B. We are. And um, I just really enjoyed talking to Mira. I did too. Her books are beautiful. Beautiful. And I will say as a person riddled with anxiety, I found her exercises very useful and like really... I don't know. They just, uh, they, they tapped into like a lot of the challenges in my brain. Totally. All right. Well, how Mm. did your meditations go? Eh. I would say, eh, I did one and then I did one and then I did do another sleep story actually just last night, which I'm going to clump into the meditation space because it, I did the one that I recommended a few weeks ago on a mini app, the Nordland trained sleep story narrated by a man named Eric Bra. Let me Uh tell you, I was so so into it. And I had the same, same thing up top that I always do. I was like, there's no, I'm going to fall asleep. Like (laughs) this guy talking about this train through Norway, I'm going to fall asleep. Like, no, I'm wide awake. And then I was like, zonk. 
and so I just really love these freaking sleep stories. But so th- I'm going to count that. I'm going to count that. As, okay, I think as, that's so, fine. And I'm going to ca- try to keep at it. I really like it. Calm, calm also, not to keep plugging calm here. Again, this is, they advertise in the podcast, but this is not part of the promotion. But they also do like a nice thing where you do a meditation and then you can note, like you can reflect on how you felt after. And mm. it's, I like that too. It's on the app. Anyway, sorry. But I did want to note that listening to this train story, which starts in Trondheim, it's Norway made me want to go to Norway. So are there, do we have listeners in Norway? Like, should I, when this is pod, this pandemic is all over, should I come to Norway and like tour around? As someone who has been to Norway. First of all, that blows my mind. I didn't know this about you. I have been to Norway. I spoke at a, what, what even was it? Was it a conference? I forget exactly what it was, but I but but Norwegians paid for me to come over there and speak about BuzzFeed. In Look at you, in like 2013, I think. Um, and I was there for a few days. It was delightful, I will say. It's super expensive. It's very, very, very expensive for for Americans to go there, but. It was really, really lovely. I went in the summer and it was light until like 11 p.m., which is so bizarre. Yes, I experienced that once in Northern Ireland and it was insane. It made me feel really weird. Yeah. Um, I wish I had had more time there to like go to some fjords, but I was only in Oslo. But it was very, very cool. It made me want to go back. Well, look, when this pandemic is over, and we travel the globe with this podcast. Can we take a stop in Norway? Yes, I'm down. Norwegians, if you're out there, I need to know more about visiting your country. Take me to Trondheim. Send me on the Nordland train. Yes. Okay, sorry. I, I, sound, I sound out of my mind, but truly what I wouldn't give to travel to another land right now. Oh, uh, no, I'm right there with you. Anyway, this week, Dory, my intention is um, to schedule my mammogram. Ooh. Because boob care is self-care, and I got to get these boobs checked out. I have had two mammograms. In your lifetime? Yeah. Yeah, I've only had one, so I'm ready for I'm ready to catch up with you. Have you had have you had to do an ultrasound? I have not. And I have dense breast tissue, but they did not ask for one last time. So now I have I wonder if like well, no, I'm actually not gonna say this. Um yeah, I've had to do ultrasounds and it, they're fine. Like I feel like for so long a mammogram was built up in my head as this like big scary thing and like it was actually fine. Yeah, I didn't find it that bad and the nurses were so wonderful and like clearly I was like I'm new and they were like, you know, they've done it 8 million times and know how to put everybody at ease. So Totally. You also have to schedule a mammogram. Let's all do it together this week. Yay. All right, enough about me and Norway and boobs. Dory, did you clear your head this last week? Yeah. It was really nice to not just try not to think about my book, especially since like the last the, the couple, the two weeks like leading up to the due date, I was just kind of working around the clock 
on the book and it it was it was really intense and so it was nice to be able to just like relax so yes i think i did successfully clear my head you sound relaxed thank you so much seriously um and then this week i mean i kind of alluded to this earlier in the show but my my intention this week is to just make another challah i was wondering if that was going to be your intention (laughs) i love it i love it for you Thank you so much. Will you make the challah and then maybe also do like a little Shabbat candle prayer situation? Or is it more just the practice of the bread is your prayer? (laughs) When you talk about religion, it's very funny. (laughs) It's like very, very much a agnostic person talking about like idealizing religion. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't have candlesticks. And it's like a thing I keep meaning to get, but I haven't gotten them yet. So I don't really have candles to light per se. But if and when I procure some candlesticks, then yes, I will probably do that. I did say the prayer over the bread with Henry. Oh, that's so cool. And he was sort of like, he was like, give me the bread. <laughs> Henry knows what's up. He's like, just fucking oh, yeah. hand me the carbs and move yes, out of the way. Seriously, Like, what are we waiting for? Oh, I love a good challah. Mm, the inside mm-hmm. of a challah bread. I mean, what could be better? I didn't just, I didn't even know what challah was until I went to my first bat mitzvah. Wow. That's called living a sheltered life. Wow. Yeah. I was like, oh, there's bread involved in this religion. And then, like, oh, wow. it's left inside the synagogue. And after my friend's bat mitzvah, I can go and eat it. <sighs> All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Well, Kate, it's been a pleasure. A blast. A blast as usual. Yes. And now I'm just chuffed to get to say that Forever 35 is hosted and produced by Dora Shafrir and Kate Spencer and produced and edited by Sammy Junio and Sam Reed is our project manager and our network partner is Acast and we will talk to you later. Bye.